0: We talk, we talk Superman And we know what's happening We talk, we talk, we talk Superman And we cover everything Hello and welcome once again to the All-Star Superfan Podcast, the podcast that delves into any and all things Superman throughout the full 80-year legacy of the Man of Steel. I'm one of your hosts, Rob O'Connor, and I am joined once again by the menace from the Midlands, the incomparable Mr. Alan Burke. How are you doing tonight, sir?
1: Hey, everybody. It's great to be back. I've been looking forward to this last couple of weeks. Uh, it's going to be a great episode, I think.
0: Yes, absolutely. I agree. Uh, once again, we'd like to remind you that you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at All Star Super Follow us on Twitter at All Star Super Pod. Please do get in touch. Let us know your thoughts and feelings on all of the exciting topics we discuss on tonight's episode. Uh, to the topic at hand, we did promise that this podcast was going to delve into all aspects of Superman across his 80 year legacy. So we're going to take a look at a comic story from the Silver Age. ...that had a lasting impact on The Last Son of Krypton in other media. It's a story that was directly adapted in three very different Superman TV shows... ...and had subtle influences in even more stories, both in the comics, in live action and in even in animation, if you can believe it. Uh, we're taking a look at the story Menace from the Stars... ...originally printed in comic book form in World's Finest, number 68... Uh, ...with a cover date of January 1954 and subsequently or possibly previously adapted as a TV episode in December 1953's Panic in the Sky, uh 1990s Superboy Lost and 1993's All Shook Up on Lois and Clark the New Adventures of Superman.
1: Before we get into it, um, what, what do you yeah. th- what do you think is the reason that this story in particular has been adapted so many times over the 60 or 70 years?
0: It, it's a great question, and I, I was kind of thinking about this. I, I think the reason it's it's so kind of timeless is it kind of gives a snapshot of the character and it kind of lets you check in. It, it gives you a reason to kind of reinvest in who the character is and what he's about and what he can do and, and what his relationships are. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think in, in all the different versions of the story, even to a certain extent, the Superboy version, which is the most kind of alternate of all these different stories we're going to talk about. Like they all give you a chance to sort of re-explore um, the, the sort of innate character within Clark or Superman, Superboy, you know, that kind of way. Yeah. It, it's a good um, insight
1: into the character in that, you know, if, if he, you take away his memory and you know, what he remembers being taught by the Kents and his upbringing and, you know, his history, you know, what yeah. kind, what kind of a man, is he underneath it all when you strip all that away nature versus nurture what what kind of a man is Clark Kent is kal and I, I think that yeah. it's a great insight into into that that it shows that he's he is good to the core um no mm-hmm. matter no matter where he would have landed no matter what would have happened to him he would have been a good man and you know a, a, a superman basically
0: very well said so for anyone who who doesn't know essentially all these different versions of this story involve um an asteroid that's about to either destroy the earth or create untold devastation superman goes into space to stop it he kind of initially has some success pushing it away but it it blasts him back down to earth and he gets amnesia and he can't remember who he is and each of the stories kind of unfold in a different way but they they all um, they all ultimately end with him getting his memories back and most of the versions end with him going back into space and like getting rid of the last bit of the asteroid. Um, but but yeah, so um, I suppose we'll start with the, the comic story. You, you may have noticed at the start there, I was listing off each of the different versions. This yeah. comic book version, The Menace from the Stars, I never knew this. It actually came after the George Reese episode, Panic in the Sky. Yeah, so, I, I minutes, only I
1: only found that out this week as well when I was doing a little bit of research into it. Yeah, that that kind of caught me by surprise.
0: Yeah, but what I think, two things. So first of all, the cover date is January nineteen fifty four. Now, the cover date being January could mean that it actually came out in December nineteen fifty three. Right. I'm I'm never entirely sure how that works, but my understanding is the month that's on the on the cover is actually the month that informs the newsstand owner that that's the month where they have to get rid of this
1: publication i get you i understand i think
0: i i think that's how it works the other thing is uh whitney ellsworth was the editor of the superman comics at the time but he was also the producer of the george reeves show and so Um. a a lot of the storylines that we were seeing in the comics at the time were also happening in the tv show so i think he was kind of Controlling both and he was kind of saying you know here's where i want them to go this week um, yeah and it's
1: it's you know it, it slips right into that era of those superman silver age comics because you know up to that point at right, the the late 30s obviously when they launched in the 40s and um, kind of going into the 50s it was it was getting a bit stale by the time the, the 50s came around you know he was dealing with mobsters he was dealing with gangsters it was the same thing week in week out and i think mm. it was um mort weisinger who when he took it over as as editor of the books and stuff kind of you know he really upped the silliness of the whole thing and you know it, it went into space more and he introduced more of the superman family and all that kind of stuff and uh, the thing everything the adventures got more bizarre and and, and more outrageous yeah, the as fortress of
0: solitude came around under him as well yeah
1: it? yeah so he kind of took it away from that street level um crime fighting aspect that 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 was was becoming stale by that point and really you know brought it out into the stars and and brought the stars down to earth uh, as such for for the stories and um <laughs> this is a this uh, this is a perfect example of, of that era of, of comic book storytelling
0: so so i know you mentioned this briefly earlier on what, what is your experience with silver age superman before we get into this story
1: it's very limited. Um, when I was a kid growing up, I think I had a couple of the annuals from the from the era. Um now I don't even know where I got those. I have a funny feeling that they were secondhand, that they were possibly my my father's maybe annuals from the kind of the sixties and that um stories where, you know, Superman would team up with Batman and they'd go fight dinosaurs and, you know, outlandish kind of things like that. Um, and it never really caught my attention. And even kind of growing up, I, I never. It was never an era that I really dove into until I was an adult. Really, when it came to things like the George, like I didn't watch the George Reeves um, Superman, the Adventures of Superman series until only maybe five or six years ago. Um, and I love it. I love that that TV series. But when it comes to the books, my my knowledge of them, my knowledge of them would be okay. But my experience of, of reading them, especially at at a younger time in my life, would have been very very limited.
0: I had that book Superman in the fifties as a kid. And I loved that book. Um, I, I think I got it when I was around maybe 11 or 12. And I remember thinking at the time, I was like, I wish I had this when I was like, you know, seven or eight. Because, you know, these are great stories for an 11 or 12 year old, but they, they would be like the perfect Superman stories for like a really young child. So yeah. Like they're, they're just bursting with imagination and they're so much fun and they're really, 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 really goofy and silly. And, you know, if you try to read them as an adult and you try to... You know, approach them as adult stories. You're going to have a bad time. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. like, if if you put yourself in the mindset of a child reading a comic in the 1950s, your your mind will be blown. Like, if if you're looking for fun, there's fun to be had in these stories. You know. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So th- so this is the Menace from the Stars. Um. The credited writer is William Woolfolk. I think is his name.
1: Yeah. I I saw uh, that. Ne- I, I don't know much about him now, to be honest.
0: I've never heard that writer's name before. And, you know, credit where credit's due, it's, you know, it's a fun story. I do suspect, though, that Whitney Ellsworth probably pushed this story into what it is. I I think he probably told um, William Woolfolk, OK, this is what I want. And I I suspect he may have even told Jackson Ellis, you know, for the TV show side of things. Yeah. Like, you know, you write this story kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but the, the, the basic premise, as we as we mentioned before, so there, there, there's kind of this looming threat of this dark presence that's approaching Metropolis. It is an asteroid. Um, we see a scientist kind of hurriedly trying to contact Superman. Superman arrives, like literally in the space of one page. We find out that there's an asteroid approaching Metropolis, a scientist. Superman arrives, and then we see Superman fly into space. This is all in on one page. I I just, like... have
1: to, I just have to say I love the the, the first page, the the kind of the, the it's almost like a prelude to it. It, it kind of reminded yeah. me almost of like a Rod Sterling introduction to a Twilight Zone episode or mm. something like that. You know, kind of the precursor to the story, or this is the story that's going to follow. I really enjoyed it. and like it's full of color. It's it's so colorful. It's all you know, um, primary colors and stuff. But it's just it's really as soon as I open the book, it's it's beautiful to look at
0: yeah it's it's yeah that they they would do this in the silver age where they'd like they'd sort of summarize the whole story that that they'd summarize the um the hook of the story either on the cover of the comic or on the first page, yeah so on the first page you see Superman flying down to this policeman and he's like officer, any news of superman he's the only one who can destroy that asteroid from destroying Metropolis. <laughs>
1: And everybody's and, looking and up at him, and you can see the you FM's can see like, the asteroid coming what? down, and yeah. <laughs> he, even the way he's flying down is kind of an odd kind of an angle. It's 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 hilarious. It's very funny. And,
0: and it's it's not an event that actually happens in the story specifically, but it it, it sort of has the overall flavor of the story. Yeah, and even um, the, the
1: the the font for the menace from the stars. It's real kind of B movies fifties. You know, it really yes. evokes that era of 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 filmmaking and stuff. I I just I love everything about it.
0: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so as I said, in the first page, we see Asteroid, you know, Daily Planet News team going, you know, what the heck is this? Professor, what's his name? Looking for Superman. Superman arrives. Superman flies into space. Um, we see him at the next page. Then we see him smack into the asteroid. And then um, I can't remember. Was it the first page or the second page where they kind of say, oh, yeah, that our spectroscope shows strange elements, possibly a variety of kryptonite on the asteroid. Yeah. And you know what that means. <laughs> Shenanigans. Um, we, we we see him crash into the asteroid. We see him land back on Earth. He he crashes down into a tree. It splits the tree in half.
1: He does. And then um, into a masquerade ball of some kind. He, he kind of yeah. he rocks up with this kind of mass grade ball and just presumes that he was obviously a guest or a participant of this ball, which is so strange
0: it's it's so goofy and so silly and just brilliant like um and he I, I really like this he discovers his Clark Kent um clothes in the pouch in his cape yes yeah. so, what's, what's um, this
1: about is this is this a thing is this an ongoing thing at the time was this something that because I saw that, and I had this vague memory of it before, and it's so goofy that basically he he goes around to Superman with his full suit and glasses tucked away in a secret pocket in his cape. <laughs> uh, now I know, look, that, you know, he's wearing the funnily
0: suit. enough, yeah. Go, go on, sorry. He
1: he wears. I know it's goofy that he wears the Superman suit under his clothes and the cape and everything tucked in. You know, like you know, I understand that, but the, the, this pocket, this suit pocket, is just one step too
0: far for me. <laughs> Yeah, I I totally agree and it's totally silly. I I, I do love it. (laughs) Yeah, me too, me too. Funnily enough, what I will say though is that the the pouch in the cape was something that um, would kind of sporadically come back as recently as, you know, like John Byrne comics in the 80s where they were making Superman more seriously. Yeah. Um he would have this pouch in his cape that he'd be able to just store stuff when when the plot required him to. Um <laughs> the, the the story that comes to mind was that there was this scrapbook in the John Byrne um in the John Byrne version of Superman where Martha Kent kept a scrapbook of all of Superman's kind of greatest feats. Right. Um just because she's a mother and she's proud of her son or whatever but I, I can't remember, was it Lex Luthor gets his hand on this scrapbook or so, someone gets their hands on this scrapbook and they, they try to um, figure out based on this scrapbook who Superman's secret identity is or something like that. Okay, um, okay. But I, I just remember that there's definitely a story in that era where Superman is carrying this scrapbook around in the pouch in his cape. And it's <laughs> that same thing where you're like, how come I've never heard of this pouch before? Like, and it's just there and he's just there's just this book flapping around in his cape when he's flying, Okay. You know, yeah, because
1: um, I, I, I was just looking at it there. Like, I have it open here in front of me. I got it just in case anybody's thinking of picking it up or wants to pick it up. I got it in the, the collection of stories, uh, Superman in the 50s. It's one of the stories included in that. Um, it's a
0: great collection.
1: Yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, like I said earlier, I, I'm really impressed with it. I'm so glad I got it. Um, and it's on it's on page 25 of that book. And it, it just looks so silly, basically. He's he's down this alley. The cape is open. He's, kind of, he's got the suit in there, and he just decides to put it on. Um, and it's,
0: it's really stuffed into the cape as well. Like, it's not even, like, neatly folded. It's, like, right, like, just hooshed in there. Yeah,
1: yeah, it is. Like, uh, and, you know, we'll get into it when we get into the adventures of Superman. But it's, uh, it's at least it's some kind of an explanation to where the suit came from, I suppose. Um, because we, yes. we'll come to it later on. But, uh, yeah. you know, so uh, there's there's points there for effort anyway.
0: Yeah, so so he puts on the Clark Kent, uh, quote-unquote, disguise. Yeah. Um, and he just sort of wanders off to the Daily Planet, and the way they describe it is an uncanny sixth sense finally leads him to the Daily Planet building. Yeah. Um, now, now I like I kind of actually like that though, in a, in a weird way, because it's like, you know, the the idea is he's got the Superman version of a concussion, and you know he's he's got amnesia, and amnesia does kind of work like that, as far as I'm aware. Like it, the, you can kind of remember things in dribs and drabs, and you can. You, you know, you'll you'll have unconscious memories of things and you, you'll remember things and not understand fully what they are. And, and you know, so I, I can kind of give the story a little bit of a pass when they say, oh, yeah, he just arrives at any plant because he just uh, feels like that's where he's supposed uh, to. I go, could kind you know, of you know. I
1: could kind of understand maybe if he was walking past it and it looked familiar or something or there was some kind of semblance of familiarity with it that he, he kind of decided to wander in. Maybe that's how I kind of uh, justified it. In my headcanon, basically.
0: yeah. So, um, yeah, so he arrives at the Daily Planet and they, they sort of quickly realize that something's wrong. He's got amnesia. Uh, they start talking about Superman and um, they show him a picture of Superman. And he goes, oh, yeah, that, that face is familiar <laughs> because it's his own face. <laughs> um, and he decides that, you know, well, that's obviously not me. I went to that ball dressed as Superman probably because he was a friend of mine
1: <laughs> yeah there's huge jumps in logic here huge just you know leaps and bounds talk about leaping over buildings in a simple bound this is leap, leaping over logic it, in simple it, bounds
0: <laughs> it's like they, they the story does everything in its power to prevent clark from just realizing that he like obviously he is superman yeah yeah um but yeah we we find out that the asteroid is still approaching which is a really important part of the story and I mentioned before it comes back in most of the other versions of it. like the, the the looming threat of the asteroid is still there. Yeah. Um so uh you know Cl- Clark realizes okay well I have got to do something. He goes back out on the street. He's got the Superman suit just bundled up in a ball and he you know as so often happens in these stories he sees a crime happening so he throws the suit back on uh thinking that it'll scare the villains away or whatever. They shoot him and the bullets bounce off him. And he deduces that, you know, oh, well, obviously it's just that I'm wearing this magic costume and that's why the bullets bounce off. So, so
1: basically, Clark Kent went out and got himself killed. Like, I mean, if if, if it was yeah. a case that what he thought was true, Clark is a dead man by this point and the story's over. But thankfully, he is Superman. So everything worked yeah. out OK.
0: <laughs> so the the next kind of couple of pages are probably my favorite part of this story in the comic anyway um just because they're just so visually interesting and yeah. I just remember reading them as a kid and thinking oh yeah that's cool that that works that way and you know the, the way it's drawn I, I forget I, I haven't credited the artist I think it's Wayne Boring um but like we, we see him knock over a fire hydrant by accident and then you see him like you know pressing the fire hydrant back down and he jams it tightly down so that it welds back and just the way Wayne boring draws it, like it, you, you just get a real sense that the metal is being sort of pushed, sort of. I I I don't even know how to describe. It's just it's just really visually interesting to look at. And then we see him, fly, and he accidentally crashes into a smokestack, and he picks the smokestack up and kind of welds it back on with the other bricks. And he uses his hand to sand down the bricks and. There's you, the, you see all these sort of action lines that 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 show that the 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 bricks are are sort of smoothed back down again, and yeah, and there's a lot of really a lot, a lot of thought
1: seems to have gone into you know the the, the repairs that he does the stuff here. Just two things I just want to mention about the the art. I just want to get your opinion on something. Um, yeah, the way that Superman himself is drawn. What do you think of that?
0: Um, I I I think it. it I mean, it's obviously he's very sort of broad-chested. It feels like the 1950s idea of what they thought, um, that really kind of Charles Atlas kind of,
1: yeah because i had
0: old-fashioned old version of of what muscular was
1: i had actually kind of forgotten what it is and i i, I have two um drinking glasses in front of me in the in the cabinet in front of me and one of them has the 1950s superman and one of them has the 1980s superman um and they're right oh, beside each cool. other and you can see the 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 difference in the physiques and stuff between both of them but i just thought he, he i always think that he, he it looks a little bit odd he's kind of these like he has this kind of massive white torso, this short little Superman yeah. cape, and then these kind of gangly kind of legs that don't match the rest of his upper body. Yeah. Um, no, <laughs> I, I I do love it. I have to say, I do love it. And yeah. I remember the 60s cartoon. I don't know if you ever saw the, the 1960s um, Superman cartoon, but he's 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 pretty much drawn the exact same as that.
0: Yeah, I, I, I can picture it in my head. I, I I feel like I've seen a few episodes. I feel like, was Bud Collier still the voice actor? Yeah, he that?
1: was. Bud Collier returned. Yeah, I,
0: I've definitely seen an episode or two of that. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, but,
0: but like to to your point it you know that they, they do um when John Byrne kind of rebooted Superman, they made a conscious effort of making his physique look more modern and contemporary, yeah. and they they looked at Arnold Schwarzenegger and all that kind of stuff, and you know like you have to remember in the nineteen fifties, people didn't train their abs like that wasn't the thing back then,
1: yeah, yeah, um, yeah.
0: Um, and There's I'm not a huge i'm not I'm
1: not saying yeah. that I'm a huge fan of the the over kind of 90s version of Superman you know I like a Superman who looks pretty much like that looks fit and athletic but you could pass for an average guy i I, I don't like the, mm. the overbuff superman either um but it's just it just it kind of it, it i for, completely forgot um aesthetically how he looked in in this era of the comics and I just found it so funny the other thing as well in, in relation to these panels. Uh, and I said it to you off, Mike, or I said it to you the other day when we were talking. Uh, it's the exposition kills me.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the
1: exposition of explaining exactly what he's doing every every time he does something. And I was like, Every oh. single
0: panel he's yeah. explaining what he's doing. <laughs> yeah.
1: Like there's a panel here. I'll just read this out. There's a panel here where he's just after fixing these smokestacks. And it, it goes, finally, after studying the problem over there, Making those joints by sanding down the bricks with my hands, I can force the two ends firmly together. It's a little shorter than before, but it'll serve just as well. You know, it's like and see, see,
0: I, I love that though. I, I there's just <laughs> like again, reading it as a child, like reading it as an adult, you're like, oh, this is stupid. Like, why, why is he saying all this out loud? Yeah, yeah. But like when you're reading that as a child, you, you, it, it just in in a single panel, they're able to draw you into the full, um. The full story of what he's just done, like, and you you can picture him sanding each brick down, and like, uh, you know, if if you look at the smokestack, the way they do it is shadow, the 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 way the shadow hits the smokestack, he can only see the part where the 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 join is, if that makes sense. Yeah, and yeah. It just really draws you into what he's done, and I I I always found that really kind of just visually interesting. And, and it's
1: amazing and how much they get done in such a short amount of time like you said earlier on like yeah. you know you're on page two there's what an average of five six panels a page at the at you know at most and yeah, you know, by page two you know he he's he's crashed into the asteroid and he's fallen to earth and like even on this on on these two pages here where he's he's doing all these rescues um like the amount of action and stuff that they cover in just a, a short couple of panels is really yeah. really impressive
0: yeah it's brilliant and we see a couple of other kind of like supermanning around the world so we should probably mention as well because the asteroid is still approaching it's causing all this environmental havoc around the world like there's um there's a tidal wave on a beach and um superman turns up to stop that and the way he does this again is like this this really interesting kooky silver age way like he turns up with a giant fan um he he rigged up a wind gadget is what he says and it's it's just this fan and he and he has this um kind of handle for uh like Uh, rotating the fan really quickly and it's i love that and and then he goes to the polar ice caps and we see this speech bubble where he says just as i feared the shifting tides have warmed and split the polar ice cap and filled the sea lanes with monster icebergs um so he goes to one of the icebergs and starts punching it into a paddle wheel which he then uses to to um paddle the, the the rest of the icebergs westward where the heat of that undersea volcano will do the rest i find this hilarious because superman's idea for getting rid of these rogue icebergs is to just drive them into a volcano and melt them
1: and you have to remember that at, at this point in time he still doesn't think that he's superman he just thinks that he's regular yeah. clark kent wearing superman's costume um which i, I think is so funny
0: i I just think it's unintentionally hilarious though that like back in the 50s that that, you know that they thought the the problem was icebergs because you know icebergs can crash into things and sink boats or whatever they didn't think of like rising sea tides or anything (laughs) like that or any of the stuff that like climate change i didn't actually think of that i didn't actually think of that at all that is funny and then one of my favorite panels in the whole comic is coming up so um Uh, over the central plains of America a homemade cyclone on my own will break up and get rid of this other cyclone caused by freak winds and tidal shifts and elsewhere still another task rain has threatened to flood this valley since the asteroid appeared so it's up to me to clear the skies by herding these clouds across the mountain Alan describe this panel to me
1: Uh, he has got a big stick and he's shaking (laughs) it at the clouds
0: he's shaking it at, and what do the clouds look like
1: they look like sheep or cows they look, it, it, it it's cows? literally
0: like they're either cows or sheep or I sometimes I look at them and I think they're pigs and it's literally like the artist has drawn these clouds to look like they they could be farmyard animals yeah like basically they're being and,
1: herded across the sky
0: and as a kid, I used to I used to see this panel and I'd be like, oh, yeah, they, they kind of look like, you know, pigs or cows. But now reading it as a 31 year old, I'm like, OK, the artist has clearly drawn them to look like farmyard animals. And he's clearly drawn this giant stick to look like something, a, you know, a shepherd would use. I just I just think that's so it's just so endearing and, and lovely, you know. And again, these are this is a goofy Silverade story for children but when you think what these comics were supposed to do they were supposed to excite the imagination of kids yeah you know i'm I'm reading it as a 31 year old and my imagination is through the roof you're right you're
1: now. reading as a, as a 31 year old 70 years later you know like it's yeah it's, it's crazy that it, it's that old like now i know like this isn't an original copy obviously it, it's collected again it's a reprint um but like it's i can't i can't overemphasize just how beautiful uh the pictures are and how beautiful the art is and um, there's a beautiful um, um, there's a beautiful panel on page 31 of, of the book that I have it in the next page to the one that we're talking about where you can just kind of see the city and the people underneath it and they're all kind of in this kind of like film noir silhouette it's just beautifully done
0: yeah it's it's really it's such a great use of color so uh, basically um, what happens is uh superman uh he still doesn't know he's superman and he decides that he he still has to destroy this asteroid he goes up and it, does he he does successfully destroy it yeah and and we oh, see does, back yeah. in the city then the, we're, we're, we see the whole city looking at the asteroid exploding and it's this beautiful panel where the the buildings are all pink and the people are all yellow yeah and it's just this kind of beautiful um contrast uh superman flies back down to earth And he decides that he thinks Superman is dead and that uh, he's going to have to ring the Daily Planet and tell them the truth, you know, that Superman is dead. And Clark Kent has been wearing Superman's costume to try and, you know, pick up where he left off and all this kind of stuff.
1: It's very American Hero. Did you ever see American... What's that TV series from Uh, The uh, the, the Greatest greatest American American Hero?
0: hero? Yeah. Yeah. I've never seen it, but I know... The basic premise that it's 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 a guy who finds a costume and the costume gives him the powers. Is that the idea?
1: It's an alien race. It's kind of like a mix between uh, Superman and the Green Lantern almost. It's an alien race. uh, Basically, give him a costume to be the world's protector. And he's like a school teacher. But the whole premise is, is that he loses the instructions on how to use it. So like yeah. it gives him all these powers, these Superman style powers, but he, he can't figure out like, he doesn't know how to fly in it properly, And, and that's where the humor comes from as the series progresses. But that's the general awesome. idea here that Clark has is that the suit gives him all the powers and that, that that's, that's why he's super basically.
0: And, and, uh, that, that's actually a really interesting thing that I want to get back to when we talk about the George Reeves episode, but we'll get to that. So he he bundles up, Clark's favorite thing to do in this issue, uh, he bundles up the Superman costume and carries it under his arm. Yeah. And he decides that he's going to go to the Daily Planet and tell them the truth. And it's only because he's not wearing the costume. Um, A rogue truck crashes into him. <laughs> and this is so bizarre. He falls off the side of the... Bridge, sidewalk I think is it oh yeah he's he's on a bridge and he falls onto some high tension telephone wires yeah um and his his clothes go on fire and he realizes oh well I'm I'm not actually wearing the costume um so therefore I must actually be superman and at at this point all his memories come back yeah um and he he puts on the costume and he flies to the daily planet and he explains oh yeah don't worry about it guys everything's fine <laughs> and he gives them Clark's story and he says yep don't even worry about it Um, and 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 the final panel is him going yeah I guess I do remember the amnesia was worn off getting rid of that asteroid must have ended the radiation of kryptonite quote unquote that was causing it but when I think of how close it came to revealing my identity whew
1: and <laughs> the, <laughs> um, the
0: end, yeah, I I highly recommend
1: this. I like, I really thought that this was going to be completely naff, to be honest with you, and it is naff, but it's naff in a fantastic way. You 100%. know, it's really enjoyable. I sat down here a couple of days ago with a cup of tea, and um, the family were out, and I sat down. And I opened the, I opened up the book, and I was reading through it. And I was just I really enjoyed it. And I went on to read some more of the stories from the year from that era and stuff. Um, The the illustrations are beautiful. The story is silly, you know, like it is it is clearly for children. um, But it is it's it's definitely worth reading for for any Superman fan, definitely any Silver Age fan. I'm sure if you're a, a diehard fan of the Silver Age, you've read this story already. But if you haven't, I'd highly recommend that you check it out.
0: Yeah. And and, and like to that point as well, like I read these stories as a kid and I absolutely loved them. Like, I, you know, I and this was well after I'd I'd read plenty of modern Superman stuff at that point. I'd I'd read loads of kind of comics from the 90s and stuff. And I I did enjoy all that stuff. But I remember reading these when I was kind of 11 or 12 and going, this is great. Like, I I want to read 100 issues like this. And what I would say is I think this particular uh, collection, Superman of the 50s, is it it collects some of the best stories, and if you can get the updated edition as well, which I I had the original edition, which I think is the one you have, Alan. I recently got the updated edition on Comicsology, and that has even more stories in it, which I didn't even realize. Yeah, it has uh,
1: a, it has day. an introduction into it. My one, I'm not sure which one I have now, but it has the introduction into it by um, Mark Wade on it. Um, Mark Wade, where yeah. he he basically says, "Look, these stories are silly. Sit back and enjoy them," and he's dead right.
0: He's dead right, and and w- what I would say is like if you have kids you know if you have a, a child under the age of sort of 13 12 or 13 like th- th- this is these are great superman stories yeah like, and you, you don't you know, have to worry
1: about continuity or any of that stuff that you'll have to worry about now when you, you know where you dive in post-crisis pre-crisis all that kind of stuff like there it's basically like a te- television show where every story is completely you know self-contained you can sit down read one story you can skip four stories ahead if you see something that catches your eye read that story you don't miss out on anything like it's perfect for children it's perfect uh for young kids like if my daughter now was a little bit older if she was kind of seven and eight and she wanted to read a superman book this is 100 the kind of thing that i would give her
0: i suppose m- moving on now um we're going to look at probably the most iconic episode of adventures of superman uh, starring george reeves uh, but what I want to do first, Alan, is just ask you, I know you alluded to it a little bit already, what is your relationship with this show?
1: Um, it's again, it's limited enough. I've uh, my first interaction with anything to do with the George Reeves legacy, the era of Superman was Hollywoodland, the movie that came out there back around 2006, 2007, where Ben Affleck uh, played George Reeves and kind of told the story of his time uh, as Superman and kind of the struggles that he had personally. And then unfortunately his, his death in 1959. Um, and then a couple of years ago, I picked up the box set the complete series in uh, golden discs in, in Dundrum in Dublin. I think I got it for like 40, 40 euro or something. And I, I brought it home and I watched, uh, i'd say the majority of the first season i really enjoyed it to be honest with you and again it's the same thing where as the book where i was like oh this is going to be naff and you know but it has such a a, a charm to it you know he's not the kind of superman that i would envision but he's such a great 1950s hero. so he's, he's exactly like the guy in this book and that story that we just read you know like they really did a great job of transferring that kind of style and that those kind of stories Onto the silver screen, and what they what they did do was was very impressive for the time, um, and they're short. You know, the, the the episodes are twenty minutes, thirty minutes long, and it's very one dimensional. You know, there's not a, a great amount of depth to the stories. But again, he is just really uh, he's magical in the role. He, he's a great Clark Kent. He's a great Superman, and I just really enjoyed them. They're just they're just fun stories.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree. So I suppose my relationship would be similar. I I never even knew this existed as a kid i I remember reading uh an old comic i had somewhere had like a trivia thing at the back of it and one of the trivia things was that um in the old superman show perry white was mayor of metropolis before he was editor of the daily planet i was like what what old superman show what are are they talking about and it wasn't until much much later like when, when sort of internet message boards and all that were a big thing and i think superman returns was was kind of about to be released and that they they did a big um big push on all the old Superman shows where they were released Lois and Clark season 1, Superboy season 1 and Adventures of Superman uh season 1. That that they, they all came out on DVD around the same time and I yeah. I feel like it was probably 2006 or 2007 where I finally got the first season. And yeah, absolutely just you know, I I I would have been 16 or 17, you know, Watching these, and I just thought, yeah, these are great. These are so good, and especially that first season, um, they go for this really kind of dark film noir almost kind of vibe to them, and then yeah. they're they're, and they're very violent. I'm a huge fan
1: of film noir, so
0: yeah, um, yeah, totally. Like that, they're, they're they're just a little bit more violent and dark and dangerous. Um, a lot of kind of gangsters getting getting shot in alleyways and stuff like that. And Superman actually punches people like throughout that first season. And it's great. Like it makes no sense. Yeah. Like he should be shattering their bones, but you know, whatever, just go with it. And it's so much fun. And I think George Reeves, you mentioned as well, his performance as Superman was was very interesting, very, very different. Like he's a little bit more gruff, a little bit kind of, um, you know, he's very authoritative and almost, almost a little bit kind of um, short-tempered, uh, I would say, but just very very commanding presence and you you can absolutely see how you know a generation of kids back then were just entranced by this man and everything that was going on and there are still people to this day who talk about you know oh well you know it looks silly to modern audiences or whatever but back then you you have no idea how much of an impact this had on kids back then like it was we we were just completely under the spell of this man and you know every time we we sat down to watch yeah. the TV and this was on, like that. Nothing else was going on, and it it does feel like it had much more of a kind of a lasting uh, legacy than than some of the the subsequent shows, which which kind of came and went, you know, that sort of way.
1: Yeah, in in terms of like the documentaries and stuff that came out around two thousand and six, when they're releasing all that kind of extra content for Superman, you know, prior to the Superman Returns release, I mean, they interviewed a lot of of big names and kind of geek culture and and music and stuff. Like the Mark Hamill spoke. A good bit in the documentary about what a huge effect this show had on him. You know how much he loved it, how much it influenced him. You know it really, and you could see his love for it when he spoke about it. Um, you have Gene Simmons, you have all these people who, who who grew up on this on this show and and loved it. Um, and you can see, I I think it's exactly as maybe not here in in Ireland or in Europe, but definitely in the U, in the US. Um, I mean, there's a reason why Lois and Clark was, you know, the, the title of the show was The New Adventures of Superman. You know, like, Absolutely. I mean, it was almost a, a, a nod of the hat or a tip of the hat to the previous show and what they had accomplished, you know, 40 years previously. Um, but, yeah, you could see it, you could see the love in people like Mark Hamill when they spoke about it. They, You know, he was almost gushing over the show. And in terms of, of, of George Reeves the Superman himself, when you were saying earlier about his kind of his demeanor, he really reminds me of what I would imagine a police officer of the time would have been like. You know, for better kind of, or worse, like, Alan. <laughs> for better or worse, you know, yeah. you know, fifties cops. I can only imagine, but you know, that's he, like he's kind of like this stern, authoritative figure, but yet he has this kind of softer side to him as well. You know,
0: yeah, and and that's I, I. Sorry, I didn't mention that. Like George Reeves, when the time came, he did have like unimaginable levels of warmth and kindness to him. Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't think George Reeves ever understood the impact that he had on those children and even young adults who were watching that show at the time. The fact I like, I don't think he would have ever conceived that 70 years later, he would have been held in such a high regard for what at the time was considered a silly kids TV show. But Jack Larson spoke um, and, and Noel Neal played Lois Lane as well said it like that. He, he was held in such high regard by the people whom he worked with that they, they had a sign on his door that read something like honest George, the people's friend. and you know what more could any man ask for than to be thought of in that way by the people that you spend you know whatever it was 18 hours a day with you know um so you know he was obviously a a a really good man um and you know uh, unfortunately he he passed away the way he did so
0: yeah and and i mean i i i do quite enjoy that movie hollywood land yeah a lot of a lot of people take issue with the way it sort of portrays everything that happened and it it does feel a little bit exploitative in a way. It doesn't feel like it's quite exploring the story to its full extent. It it is definitely a a really interesting movie and well worth checking out. But um I feel like there's a little bit more to the story than than what they than what they say. But let, let's get into the um the actual episode. So yeah. the the episode is called Panic in the Sky and it aired in December nineteen fifty-three and it was written by Jackson Ellis, whose name is gonna come up again later on. Um and the, the, the basic premise of the story is, is very, very similar to Menace uh, Menace from the Stars. Um, it's 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 even like even the, the way they opened the episode is, is is fairly similar in that we we open up on this really ominous shot of a lot of metropolis citizens kind of looking at the sky kind of in fear and shock and um, Can and I just interrupt it, can of, I
1: can I just interrupt and say something yeah. um, that really made me laugh when I saw it and it's really juvenile. But uh, they're all standing outside of Dick's Meat Market, and I thought that was very funny (laughs) as well. (laughs) I thought that was very funny. (laughs) Oh dear, I did see that actually. Very juvenile, but uh, I have to say that I did laugh at that.
0: Has to be said. I mean, you know, in times of trouble, Dick's meat is always there, Alan. (laughs)
1: Um, So you know, I don't know if that was intentional or not. I presume it wasn't. It was just the fifties, and it was not you know, it it wasn't like it's just you know. But uh, I have to say that did make me laugh. But go on, Rob. Go on.
0: So, so yeah, so they're all standing outside Dick's Meat Market and uh, they've all bought Dick's Meat and they're looking into the sky. They're, they're all a little bit frightened of something. We cut to the Daily Planet newsroom and Lois, Jimmy and Perry are, or Lois, Jimmy and Mr. White, we don't call him Perry in this show, they're all looking out the window at this sort of unknown entity that's approaching and I think Jimmy has binoculars or something like that and Jimmy says this thing where it's like, you know, I, I wish we could see it. It's that the, the light is so blinding or, or it's casting such a shadow that we can't see it. And like, even though the camera doesn't actually pan back to the the asteroid for a couple of moments, like they really paint a picture of just sort of the disorientation that this is all causing.
1: Yeah, and it's something that I really um, admired about it because they actually did a better job. And we'll talk about it when we get to the Lois and Clark episode. Uh, that, like they they did a better job of of the science here, like there's a lot of of, of, of uh, <laughs> well you know not I, I, I'm I not saying that they're uh, <laughs> I'm not saying that it's scientifically perfect but like they, they made an effort to kind of like Lois explains there she's like oh we can't see it at the moment because it's it's in earth's shadow yeah and then there's yeah. a, there's a moment later on like where the like that like in the book where the scientist is talking about how the gases and you know they don't know what it's made up of like there was no real uh, mention of that in the later episodes um, and then there's a comment about how Later on, Perry's talking to the, I think he's talking to Lois, and he's saying that they can't, it doesn't look like it's moving because it's coming towards them, you know, like there's there's little yeah. things like that, and there's a whole section where they talk about how a part of the asteroid is broken off, and because it's caught in Earth's atmosphere, it's going to pass, it's going to basically, you know, block out the sun once a day going forward and, and cause... Tidal waves and and wreak havoc with the weather and things—all kind of stuff that I appreciated. um, That I don't think the later episodes really got into in as much detail.
0: Yeah, and I I I think that does warrant mentioning. Like I I I have some issues with some of the science they put forward. Like it doesn't always sound convincing to me. But I I do like, as you say, I like that they put that in the dialogue in the world of the story it is interesting that all these characters are are talking to each other about the science and about how it works because as we all know living in a feckin pandemic land like that's what people talk about when these crises happen is that they talk about how things work and all the different theories around it and and why certain things are happening and you know so i i I completely agree i I think that is interesting and it, it is a
1: Especially in a in a like a what is it? I think the runtime is thirty minutes or that. So you know, especially yeah. when, like time is 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 a commodity there that they can't really waste. And I just like you know for for children watching it at the time, that there's some kind of an explanation to to what's going on. And I I I just like that. I appreciated the effort that they made there.
0: Yeah, totally agree. And um, so we cut to what I believe is Griffith Observatory in in California, and there is a professor uh, looking at a telescope uh very very worried about um you know this approaching asteroid and he walks outside the observatory and superman is just standing there which i i I actually thought was kind of cool he's he's just standing there looking up at the sky because he he can just see the asteroid perfectly with his sort of supervision yeah um and the, the scientist sort of lays out how how deadly this all is and how much of a catastrophe it, it could be if it hits the Earth and Superman just sort of instantly jumps into action. But the scientist sort of says, you know, that, that there could be anything up there. You know, we've reason to believe there there could be some kind of kryptonite up there. Or what if there's some sort of other unknown element that may impact on you or may harm you and all this kind of stuff?
1: And Superman responds, with a very Superman, it's just a chance I'm going to have to take. You know, the Earth's in trouble. He can't stand by and think about that he's just he, he's just going to be superman and do his best and you know again i like that
0: yeah so superman flies into action and we, we have this really ominous shot of the scientist looking on just going just a chance that's all it is just a chance yeah um, and which, then we have this- which i i think actually works to this day it's a, like kind of a cool little moment of of yeah.
1: weight it's it's a little hoping bit hoping against
0: hope yeah. yeah
1: it's 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 that little bit of weight where you really think and i can imagine kids in the 50s like there's no other shows like this there's no falcon and winter soldier tv shows that they're watching you know this is as, this is as, as big as it gets and you know superman's yeah. flying off to stop this asteroid and it could kill him because you know when you're 10 years of age in 1954 you know this could kill superman and you know you're at the edge of your seat and yeah i i, I liked everything about it so far i was i was in um the flying sequences t- even t- that t- tell me about by.
0: the flying sequences island that's what i was
1: about to say <laughs> well he, he runs off and he, he what looks like he, he jumps on what i would imagine is some kind of a springboard and is shot off screen and then he's basically kind of dangling and in front of a uh, what is it like a front projection kind of a setup but it's yeah like he look let's be honest george reeves does not have the um skill set that Christopher Reeve later displayed for wire work and that you know but he's kind of just straight hands are straight out and he's kind of at this awkward angle and he's he doesn't really move he's just going straight and everything's flying by him but you know, again, seventy years ago, I was I I was I thought they did a good job. You know, I think the worst effect in this um, episode is is the asteroid itself. It's it's or the and the Earth it, it, like the asteroid is basically looks like a ball of tin foil hanging on a string and kind of lit with sparks or something from behind, and the Earth is is clearly like a a, a plaster mold of the Earth and that. But I have to be honest, I, I I was impressed enough. I thought the flying was going to be a lot worse.
0: Yeah, I, I, I have a couple of thoughts on the flying. Like, I, I really like the the sort of springboard takeoff thing yeah. that you just mentioned. I, I, I think that's really endearing and, and really fun. And it, it looks like he's just sort of bounding into action in, in, a, in a really fun energizing way. Um, so I really like whenever they do that. And like there's a few episodes where you can actually see the springboard come into the shot, <laughs> which is great. Um, I'm less fond of the, you know, the, the bit where there's you know you can see this rear projection shot of the city yeah. behind him. And th- 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 it, it's not even that I, I don't like the rear projection. I think that's fine. It actually looks okay. It's it's the way they sort of dangle George Reeves in front of the camera. Yeah. And like they, they'll awkward. have him dip forward and then like pitch up and his face just looks like he's in pain the entire time yeah there was a there
1: there was a shot of his face at some point and they're clearly blowing a fan in his face or something and he just looks like he's in agony he looks like like he's constipated he looks like he's I I can just imagine that he's contemplating his entire life and his entire career at that moment in time
0: (laughs) totally and and it's it's interesting that um You know, the the, the flying effects were at their most ambitious in season two. Like they they tried out all these different things and, you know, they they did these more close up shots and they did these tilts and pans and all this stuff. Yeah. Once you get into the color episodes in season three, it's all just very, very straightforward, bog standard side on shot of George Reeves flying from left to right. And that's it. That's all you ever get ever again. So it's almost like they kind of knew, Okay, there's a certain thing we can do. And that's, that's what we'll do. And the rest of the, the, the rest of these things don't really work. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Which, which is a shame in a way. Like I, I, I would have liked them to try and keep experimenting and keep trying out different things, but.
1: You know, yeah. But look, that's, they, that's, they, they could have been a lot. I, I know in the Kirk Allen um, serials and stuff, uh, they did it through animation. Oh. Um, and like, again, I, I understand it was the forties and stuff and they, you know, but it, like that doesn't work. Like this is much better than that. It's you much know, better. That yeah. takes you better. out of it straight away. If you watch those old those old Kirk Allen serials, like that, it just takes you out of the whole thing, you know? Whereas this, I know it does look naff, like it's 70 years later. But uh, it, it's I you have to respect them that they 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 made an effort and they tried. And it, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, and, it's, the, it's a... and
0: they used the actor, which is like yeah. something that modern superhero movies could could take a you know, take a note from is like use your actor, Absolutely. film their actual film their actual physical form, stop relying on computers or yeah. animation. You yeah, know? yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I couldn't agree more. So, yeah, so Superman flies into the asteroid, um... And do do we see some kind of explode? Yeah, we we we, do, we yeah. cut back to Metropolis, isn't it?
1: Yeah, we do. We there there's the- oh, we
0: see a cartoon explosion. We
1: do. I was just about to say it because when I was mentioning the 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 animation from the Kirk Allen serials, the actually the explosion of the asteroid is an animation, um, and you know you it, it, you can tell it's an animation, but you know it it does the job, and yeah, I liked it.
0: Yeah, and it, it's it's rare that they they would do that on george reeves like usually everything would be kind of played for real yeah so it's rare that they use animation but like i'll definitely allow it you know that kind of way yeah 100% Um, so then superman lands in what i'm assuming is probably the san fernando valley in california
1: i have a lot to say about this scene but i'm gonna let you explain (laughs) it i'm gonna let you explain it first and then i'm gonna jump in and just comment on it
0: so un- unlike other versions where Superman kind of crash lands, in this version, it, it very much looks like he flies back down to Earth and just lands as normal. But then he kind of collapses on the ground, which, which to me, again, going back to the fact that like he has a concussion. Like Concussions are unpredictable. You can be completely fine and then suddenly you're not. Anyway, point being, he, he lands back down, cr- sort of staggers to the floor and something's terribly wrong. He runs behind a boulder... And then when he when he comes back around the boulder, he's suddenly Clark Kent. <laughs> yeah,
1: there's a car. There's a kind of a 1940s 30s style car coming towards him with a, a kind of this kind of loud abrasive woman in it. And he ducks in behind the boulder, comes out in full Clark Kent garb: the fedora, the suit, the the shirt, the glasses, the whole thing. Zero explanation. So uh, I don't yeah. know if, if if it's already been established in the series that he keeps his Clark suit in the cape the way he does in the in the comics that it's based on. I, I'm not sure of that, but like that really I was like, oh, that's I thought it was lazy, to be honest with you. I,
0: I'm fairly sure there are other episodes where he does similar transformations where he just, you know, he's in the middle of nowhere and he's still able to. And do you know what? Like that's. <laughs> true of every version of superman yeah he'll he'll be able to turn into clark wherever he is yeah but
1: yeah and i I can understand that but he doesn't know that he's clark and superman so why would he do that i I don't understand why he would duck behind like there's no explanation of oh this is ridiculous get up maybe i should put on these clothes that i happen to have my cape or something he just for no reason whatsoever goes in behind the boulder takes off the superman suit puts on the the clark kent suit and and comes back out and i i just thought it was the first time it was the first moment in the whole episode that i was like i just thought that was lazy
0: yeah and i uh, to a certain extent i i i do agree like what, what i would say though is once again i feel like when you have a concussion things don't need to really make sense yeah and I feel like, you know, I'll buy it, you know, that sort of way. I'll I'll just buy it that he he had this notion in his head of, oh, I need to put on my Clark Kent clothes, even though I don't know who Clark Kent is and I don't know why I'm doing this. Yeah. You know, that kind of way. Um, But I completely agree, like, there needed to be something there. Um, And I, I think a common obstacle that this episode faces is that Clark doesn't have anyone to talk to and he doesn't have an internal monologue. So. Frequently, we were kind of going. Wait, what?
1: <laughs> yeah, and they they kind of in the later episodes, they kind of uh, he has the kents, uh, Clark has the kents that he can kind of speak to Jonathan and Martha here. Like you, like you said, there he, he doesn't really have anybody, and it's all internal. And some of the the steps that he takes, you, you, they don't really make sense to the to the viewer.
0: Yeah. So, um, as 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 you uh, so accurately put it, he he gets into the car with this abrasive woman. <laughs> And uh, she's talking about how impressive the asteroid was. And he's kind of like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, I I have a concussion. I can't remember anything. And she kind of gets offended that he he wasn't more impressed by the asteroid.
1: Yeah, she's like, she says something along the lines of, oh, just another day to you or something like that. Or, you know, it's something this kind of thing obviously happens to you every day or something like that. And yeah, it's uh, I, I liked her. I thought that was that was quite funny.
0: I liked her, but for me, I know, I know you were annoyed about the Clark thing. What what annoyed me about this scene is, like, this is clearly a like a rural farmland, <laughs> wherever yeah. they are. So are we to believe that this woman in, you know, God knows where, drove Clark all the way back to Metropolis?
1: That's exactly. She's obviously going into Dick's Meat Market.
0: Dick's, yeah, she's got the meat <laughs> right in the back and Dick's waiting for her, baby. <laughs> um,
1: um that, that's what i told myself you know she she's another one of dick's customers so you know she, she just she just she just kicked clark out at the side of the curb outside the meat market
0: i'm so glad you've that that's instantly explained everything for me now just dick <laughs> was ready for her and he was waiting on the delivery so thank you for that alan um so yeah what what does happen next he, he arrives i think he wanders back to his apartment um oh, yeah and jimmy jimmy is waiting for him there um and clark i think in fairness to the the script at this point clark has some kind of line where he goes that you know that this felt like the right place to come i i don't i don't know why i'm here or something like that yeah um you know jimmy kind of realizes he's disoriented and he starts talking to him and clark has his back to jimmy and that this is one of the most tense scenes in the in the episode. oh my
1: god i loved this Um, I I loved this Even I Like I know the setup I'm 36 years of age It's 2021 And he starts Opening up his shirt With his back to Jimmy He's kind of like He's hot or he's confused And he starts undoing The the buttons of his shirt And revealing the Superman S But but Jimmy is behind him And I was I swear to God I was on the edge of my seat Going oh my God Jimmy's going to see it And I love Like I love I always love that image Of Clark in his Clark Kent get up um, especially this era of Clark and the the shirt's undone. And you can see the suit. It's like that. I think it's the Alex Ross painting. Is it where he's sitting in the armchair and he's tired? I can't remember if it's from Kingdom Come or what yeah, it's from. Yeah,
0: you're right. It is. Yeah. yeah,
1: I love that image. And I love, I just love the visual of, Clark Kent with the with the shirt open and the the superman suit on underneath but I was like oh my god Jimmy is Jimmy going to see it or is he not going to see it and then Jimmy kind of leaves to get lunch or get something and he he doesn't he doesn't see the S but oh I I I loved that 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 moment
0: and and it's so cool because like the way George Reeve's kind of physicality is in the scene like He's kind of swaying from side to side. It looks like at any moment that he could turn around and reveal it to Jim. Yeah,
1: yeah. It and does. you're kind of
0: waiting for that to happen. And it's 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 a really well done kind of sequence. And just an interesting bit of trivia here. Um, they they never did a shirt rip on the George Reeves show. They didn't. They 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 never had that moment where Superman like rips his shirt open and he's he's wearing the Superman suit underneath. This is the only time where you see him wearing the superman suit under his Clark Kent suit. Never
1: superman. I never knew that. That's that's really interesting. I never knew that.
0: Now, I I might be mistaken, but I'm I'm pretty sure that's true that like you never see him like usually he's just fully Clark Kent or he's Superman. It's one or the other. There's no in between. And this is the only in between sort of moment and um like George Reeves always wore like this padded muscle suit underneath his Superman suit. Okay. And this is the only time you see him not wearing that. So you're just seeing George Reeves and he's I, and I think they actually had to specially make uh, a a Superman suit to wear under the George Reeves under the Clark Kent suit.
1: Oh wow! So it's um, it's not it's obviously not it's so it's it's not the one that he normally wore because it wasn't it wasn't fit it wasn't fit for the padding and stuff.
0: I I think so. I I I might be mistaken now, but I I think that's the case. Like this is a, a unique, um, Superman suit that he only ever wore in this particular scene. Now I might be wrong.
1: Because in terms of the suit, and we'll see it shortly, um, when we talk about it. But it's it, it's basically a woolly jumper, am I right? Like it, that's what it looks like. It looks like yeah. it's made of wool.
0: Yeah, it, it is actually made of wool. Yeah, um, like that and, and seems it like a terrible really idea. Comfortable? Yeah. yeah, no, no, totally. So uh, I suppose we're getting back into the, the the meat and potatoes of the episode. um yeah. Jimmy runs off to get coffee and sandwiches. Yeah, uh, which I love. Jack Larson, he says, Mister Ken, I'll go and get coffee and sandwiches. <laughs> Uh, And and he says sandwiches a couple of times. (laughs) I just think it's so funny. Jack Larson is unintentionally hilarious. He is. He's very good. Very good. Um, God bless him. And so Clark sort of staggers into the shower and Jimmy arrives back with the coffee and sandwiches.
1: Oh, you you missed. We missed the part. You missed the part where he accidentally finds the other costumes. Is that not here? Yeah.
0: The the secret compartment. Yeah, that's kind of cool. So he stumbles into his um, wardrobe and he kind of pulls on this... um, like coat uh, coat hanger i think yeah coat hanger and and a secret panel opens and he's got a superman costumes in there and he's kind of going huh what are these the wall and of
1: the, the wall the wall of wool
0: <laughs> the wall of wool and uh, d- d- funnily enough this kind of um that this was like the precursor to the secret compartment he had in lois and clark where yeah. he kept his superman costumes as well um and i'm sure i'm sure that's a reference to this like no. the, the, yeah undoubtedly because yeah, I don't I, think that was a thing in the comics.
1: Because, yeah, that's in a um, uh, hard copy, isn't it? Or top copy, whatever the name of that episode is, with Raquel Welch in Lois and Clark, where he kind of, he, they have the panel there and you can see she finds it when he's in, she's in the apartment mm-hmm. and stuff. But, um, yeah, I, I really liked it. I, I like the fact that he has a little secret compartment where he keeps the suits and stuff. And, you know, he still doesn't really twig what's going on. He's still very confused at this point in time. Um, yes. and, then, and then we have the shower scene.
0: Yeah, we have the shower scene. <laughs> the shower scene um the shower scene so with jimmy clark has taken a shower jimmy comes in with the coffee and sandwiches and um then clark just suddenly collapses in the shower yeah. uh, again cushions are concussions are unpredictable he collapses and i'm gonna let alan take it away from here because i know he has a serious problem with the next scene as many people do by the way i
1: think i have more of a problem with this scene than anything i've seen in any version animated or live action of superman in my entire life and i swear to god i was sitting down watching it and i nearly jumped off the couch and screamed what the fuck at the at the television because i was like what is going on here so basically he collapses in the shower um, and they cut to a scene where clark kent is lying in bed clearly after being put into his pajamas by jimmy and put into bed and uh clark is not wearing his glasses uh, and Lois comes over. Jimmy's there. Mr. White come over. Have a full conversation with Clark Kent, with no glasses. And I have never seen that in any other version of Superman. Not comics. Not anything. Now, I I completely understand that the glasses is a silly aspect of the of the legacy in the mythology but it's an important aspect of it and you have to buy into that. If you don't buy into the, into the Clark Kent and the glasses disguise persona, you know that it's, it's not for you like that. It's one of the foundational bricks of the whole mythology is the concept that he, he wears glasses, he changes his demeanor and nobody recognizes him. And the fact that he's lying in bed and then wakes up and speaks to them for a good two minutes with no glasses on, looking exactly like Superman, and nobody addresses the fact that he is Superman. I, I like. There, I literally have no words to describe how out of my mind I was when I was like, "What are they doing here? How?" Like, I, I, I couldn't understand it. I paused it. I, I, I must have watched it about three or four <laughs> you times <paused> because it. <laughs> I was like, "Did I miss something here? What's, what's happening?" Oh, that's brilliant! I was, I was so confused by it, but I, 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 I kind of, I was, I was wondering. Like, I was wondering, did they literally forget to put the glasses on him when they were filming the scene? Um, Because that was the only logical explanation that I could come up with. Um, But yeah, I... Like, that really... uh, that that's my biggest problem with the whole episode was was that scene and with the probably with the series as a whole the fact that they that they did that unless it was a genuine mistake i, I and i don't know how they didn't cop it you you said to me afterwards that the, the the cast members were asked about that numerous times afterwards so i'm glad that it was actually a thing that people picked up on and had an issue yeah, with. and
0: that th- they had an interesting answer for that actually people would ask them you know how come in panic at the sky clark isn't wearing his glasses and nobody says hey you're clearly superman yeah. And I think it was it was either Noel Neal or Jack Larson would respond because we wanted to keep our jobs.
1: <laughs> yeah, like I understand this is a, an issue that I have with. I, I, I this is an issue I have with some people in general like I remember having a conversation with, with a guy at work one time and uh, I was talking about I, I can't even remember how it came up in conversation but we were talking about uh, Superman the movie and the ending where he, he basically flies around the world and turns back time and how it makes no sense and yeah. the guy looked at me as if I had seven heads because he was like it's about a guy who flies around, you know, he's from another planet, no, like, that's, like yeah, none of yeah, it makes yeah. sense. But you have to like, you have to accept the rules of the universe that your story is told in. Like, oh, I agree completely. Superman can't just, you know, suddenly turn invisible because it's science fiction or whatever. And, you know, beat up Lex Luthor because Lex Luthor can't see him and they never show that power again like, or no explanation for it. Like there's a set there's set rules in all of these universes and you have to abide by them. And I know there's various instances, instances as uh, in different variations where, where they've broken those rules. I mean, you know, we can all see, we all remember when Zod was levitating people with his finger in Superman two, or when, you know, Superman two was a, was a pretty grievous breach of the whole thing where, you know, um, Christopher Reeve takes the S, the silicone S from his the top. The magic his, kiss. Yeah. And throws it magic kisses and all that kind of stuff. Like, you have to abide by the rules of the universe that you're in and the rules of this universe of of this universe are that Clark Kent puts on a suit, puts on a fedora, puts on glasses um, and people don't recognize the fact that he's Superman. And when you breach that rule so significantly by having him, it just looks like they didn't, they either were incompetent and forgot to put the glasses on him or that they just didn't care enough to just put it, the glasses on him you know there was i i don't understand how it happened or why it happened um but look it is what it is and you know it's it's like i was just going. i was just about to say that it's a small indiscretion but it's not i i think it's pretty unforgivable to be honest and i'm actually surprised about how annoyed i am with this <laughs> it's I, I don't know i just think it's a bit of a slap in the face i just i just really and don't like I, it i, I
0: think i think ultimately that the, the problem with it I, I i completely agree with everything you've said by the way and i you know I, I was kind of racking my brain my brain's trying to come up with excuses for why this might have happened yeah. <laughs> like ultimately what what i what i think uh, on a production level what i think it might have been was they were filming him in bed and he was wearing the glasses and his eyes were closed and they thought well that's weird why would his eyes be closed well why would he be wearing glasses in bed that's stupid take the glasses off yeah and i i, I guarantee somebody on set said well no because then they'll all see that he's superman and then somebody else said No, don't think about it. You know, don't worry about it. I love how passionate you are about this. I'm so angry by it.
1: Um, It it annoyed me so much. I I think,
0: and like, even even in the 50s, like you, you can say everything else about the scripting, the pacing, the plotting, the special effects, even in the 50s, they should have known that. Like, yeah. there's no, you know, there's no excusing that, really.
1: No, no. And look, that's, it is what it is. It happened 70 years ago. We'll have to forgive them and move on. But, uh, you know, I just, I, yeah, I was, I was actually surprised myself how annoyed I was by it. But look, <laughs> I, I think it's just because I, I love this character so much. I love the mythology of it so much. I know the glasses thing is stupid. I wear glasses. I know it's stupid. Like, I know it's silly but there's something endearing about it. And I just think it's it's a bit of a slap. It's not a, a small slap in the face. I just think it was
0: a big slap in the face. Um, so the, the, the moral of the story here, uh, ladies and gentlemen listening at home is if you own Adventures of Superman season two on DVD, bring it outside and burn it because <laughs> it's because <laughs> it's garbage. No, we want to, not
1: garbage. we want a, a letter. Uh, we want to start a letter writing campaign into whatever studio made it 70 years later saying that we want digital glasses placed on George Reeves. Re- release the, the glasses. cut. release the glasses. cut. panic in the sky. <laughs>
0: you heard it here. First and all, start super fan. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I'm trying to even remember what happens next. Clark uh, is in bed.
1: Yeah. Clark is in bed. And basically look, the, the rigs and the, the, the jigs and the reels of it are—he's he, basically brought into um, the Daily Planet, and uh, Perry's uh, Perry White's uh, Perry White doesn't—he's—he's he's no Lane Smith. Let's be honest with you, uh, he doesn't really give a shit about Clark Kent's uh, well-being or his mental health. He's basically like, "Get back to work. I don't have time for this nonsense." Oh yeah, uh, he just
0: doesn't believe that amnesia is real, which I yeah. think is really funny. Like he just keeps saying, "Oh no, this is nonsense. Like this is all just a funny joke, isn't it, Clark? That's right, it's a funny joke." He basically <laughs> Clark forces them. Okay. <laughs>
1: He basically forces him into work and puts him to to, to to task straight away, trying to find Superman. And he explains it to Clark. He's like, you know, you found him before. You're the only one who can ever contact him. I need you to contact him. And Clark is like, well, I look in the records and, you know, what does this guy look like? And, you know, I'll, you know, it basically real standard stuff. Like, and Perry realizes pretty quickly that Clark hasn't a clue what he's doing. He's like, look, just go home to
0: bed and stop wasting my time. Quick note about John Hamilton, who plays Perry White, by the way his trousers this poor man like i i looked up john hamilton one time he was born in the in the 1800s like he's a very very old man and his he's not still alive is he (laughs) he's not still alive god absolutely not. it's just when you said he's he's a very very old man i was
1: like geez that's he's doing well
0: like his trousers go up like i i don't believe there's more than five centimeters below his nipples to where his belt is like his trousers go up so high and that little that little tie he's wearing is just so adorable like yeah yeah just this tiny little tie that goes down as far as his belt and god bless that man like i i think you said it there he's no lane smith he's very much what the perry white in the comics was yeah. at the time just this loud cantankerous man always chopping a cigar yeah. always shouting just very very you know, I I almost feel like if he if if this version of Perry White was alive today, he'd have a right wing kind of YouTube show like Alex Jones or something like that. He's, so he's, he's a little bit more like Jay Jonah Jameson. I was just about to say
1: it. He's more like Jay Jonah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's kind of like the precursor to Jay Jonah Jameson. And Lois is is very one dimensional as well. Like, and I I like Noelle Neal. You know, she was a great ambassador to the Superman brand right up until she passed away. Um, she was in Superman Returns. She was always going to the Metropolis. Um celebrations in in metropolis illinois and stuff and uh you know i I really liked her as a person but unfortunately her lois is very one-dimensional she's very kind of sharp in a like insulting kind of a way to clark and then kind of straight away kind of goes oh i suppose that was a bit harsh but then she does it another 10 times before the episode is over so it's a a very toxic relationship
0: can i say something really sacrilegious alan okay Phyllis Coates was so, so much better as Lois Lane. I agree, I agree. Vastly better Lois Lane than... Yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Lois Lane in season one of Adventures of Superman was played by an actress named Phyllis Coates and she actually had co- co-star co billing with George Reeves. So when the, when the screen came up at the start saying starring, it said starring George Reeves and Phyllis Coates. Uh, but for whatever reason, and it's never really been explained why, but Phyllis Coates didn't come back after the first season. And she was replaced by Noel Noel Neal, who played Lois Lane in the Kirk Allen uh, chapter serials. And Noel Neal is such a sweet lady and she's very charming and lovely. But as you said, she, she, she just sort of she just plays Lois Lane like this put upon housewife who, you know, never really stands up for herself and just sort of goes along with the plot. Yeah. And yeah, she's very much kind of just a satellite character, whereas Phyllis Coates was kind of the more Phyllis like Coates. A Terry
1: Phyllis Coates was in um, Super and The Mole Men as well as well, wasn't she? Was that Phyllis yeah, Coates? She was, yeah. She was, yeah, yeah
0: but that was kind of part of the first season, wasn't it? Like it was yeah it was basically the jumping
1: off point. And I, I, and I could be wrong, but do I remember it right that she actually was the first actress to play Lois Lane's mother in Lois and Clark?
0: Yeah, she was, yeah. And yeah. I I feel like that's no coincidence. Yeah. Personally.
1: It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um no, I, I I completely agree. I love Jack Larson. Um, Perry is a bit of a non-character Lois uh, I I,
0: I love John Hamilton as Perry I think he's hilarious (laughs) in uh, in both intentional and unintentional ways I think he's hilarious
1: and uh, yeah so look it, it they can only work what they were given, but I agree with you. Phyllis Coates definitely, I, th- I thought, brought more to the lowest Lane role than, than, than Noelle's portrayal. Every, look, it's completely subjective. Uh, plenty of people would yeah. much prefer Lo- uh, Noelle Neil to it. And like I said, she was a fantastic ambassador for, for the Superman legacy and right up until she passed away she you know she was she was going to those celebrations and she was going to comic cons and all that kind of stuff and she was in like jack she was in um superman returns and stuff and uh yeah look it's each to their own but i i would agree with you that uh, phyllis Coates would have been my my preferred dose
0: so getting right back we, we won't spend too much more time no. on this episode so um where are we we're we're back in the daily planet perry is telling clark look you need to sort this out you know we need superman Lois figures out that Perry has been hiding something. He knows a little bit more that about this asteroid situation that he's been letting on. The asteroid is still approaching Earth. We're still in danger. Um, and then do do we do, does Clark go back to the apartment then? And yeah. He has that so sort of-
1: basically, the, the, the scientist explains to Perry and Lois that the the, the 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 remnants of the asteroid is caught in the atmosphere and it's causing untold havoc all over the planet. Clark goes home to his um apartment. And he basically goes back in, takes one of the suits out. There's a brief scene where Jimmy comes over and Clark hides the suit and sends Jimmy away because he's just been a bit of an annoyance to him. And then he takes he out sends th-
0: him to Dick's meat market. He, he sends him
1: to Dick's meat market. More, more meat from Dick. And uh, he, he takes the <laughs> he takes the he takes the suit out of the from under the chair where he basically rolled it up into a ball and threw it under, uh, threw it under the cushion of a chair and he puts it on. And I'm I'm trying to remember exactly how he, I think he just remembers to be honest with you. I think he just puts the suit on. He looks at himself. He had, he he, funnily enough, he keeps his Clark Kent. he, He keeps his Clark Kent glasses on when he looks in the mirror with the suit on, even though there's nobody there. Um, and as far as I can remember, he just takes the, the glasses off. And does it not just come back to him then? Does he not just remember? No, so,
0: so what happens is he's not wearing the suit and he's so frustrated by the situation that he bangs oh, the armchair right. that he's sitting on. He
1: does. He does. And he and breaks be- it.
0: Because he's not wearing the suit. It's similar to the comic where he falls on the yeah, attention. You're right. And yeah. He realizes that, OK, well, I'm not wearing the suit. So therefore, I must actually be Superman. And that then his memories come back and he flies to back to Griffith Observatory. This is one of my favorite bits in the whole episode, by the way. Oh my God, flies, I, I, yeah. I, th- I think we both have the same idea. Yeah, He flies back to Griffith Observatory, he talks to the professor, and there's this really weird bit where the professor hands him this device, and he's like, <laughs> okay, so Superman, you need to fly this device to the asteroid you need to press this button here and then five seconds later you need to throw this button here and then after that you need to press this button here like this <laughs> and superman's like okay so just to reiterate and remember there's only half an hour in this episode i just need to press this button here and then i need to press this button here and then it's I need like to the turn exposition from
1: the comic book all over again
0: it's so crazy they just spent so much time talking about this fake piece of prop That like this pretend science that Superman needs to do. I just thought it was so funny. And so then Superman flies off into space again. Can I please talk
1: about this scene? Can I please talk about this? Sorry, go on. on, He he flies into space, which is grand. And he lands on the asteroid, which is clearly just like some...
0: The San Fernando Valley, (laughs) California. Where (laughs) it's clearly the middle of the day.
1: And there are birds singing. You can hear birds. <laughs> I didn't hear that. Oh my god! Maybe. Uh, do, uh, do, how did you watch it? Did you watch it on DVD?
0: I watched it on a digital version of my digital DVD, version. Correct. <laughs> well, I watched it on the DVD. <laughs> I do own the DVDs. But you can
1: literally hear birds chirping and singing in the background, like space birds, Alan. Space birds. <laughs> and he he puts down the box and he you know he he flies off and he he sets it off and save the day, blows up the asteroid. But it's clearly just, he's just outside somewhere. It's so funny. I couldn't, I was like, are those birds? Are those asteroid birds? And I was, I couldn't stop laughing. It was so funny.
0: What, what I thought was really funny about this was this magic nuclear device that he sets down. He actually doesn't even do the thing that the professor was telling him to do. <laughs> like the, the professor was like, press this button and then this button and then wait five seconds and then turn this catch. And you just see George Reeves like turning all these nozzles and pressing all these different buttons. And it's like a completely different oh. thing to what the professor just said. Why he,
1: why he didn't just fly into it again, I, I don't know. But uh, they, they, they expect, they, the professor gives some kind of a makey explanation that because the asteroid has cooled down, that it probably won't affect Superman in the same way that it affected him the last time. Um, <laughs> <What> the <fuck? laughs> but yeah, so he saves the day.
0: Yeah. And, and and that's. Oh, yeah. Then we go back to the Daily Planet. Clark has his memories back and he's back to kind of jokey, suave George Reeves, Clark Kent. Yeah. um, And th- there's this cool little line where he says, oh, well, I know who Superman is now. And Lois is like, really? Well, do tell. And he's like, oh, just knock me on the head sometime. I I thought that was a fun little line.
1: Yeah, uh, and because it always makes me laugh how in this version of Superman and the, the version of the time in the books as well is that everybody knows that that Superman has a secret a secret identity and Lois is constantly yeah. trying to figure out who it is, um, which I always thought was so strange. You know, like I, I'd imagine, like I think in Lois and Clark, they just think that he's Superman all of the time and. Um, but yeah, that's that was an, a little kind of a, a subtle wink or whatever to break the fourth wall. You know, I like those little endings. They did them in the first season of Lewis and Clark as well. It had these little kind of, you know, digs at the audience. And I, I, I do enjoy those.
0: And, you know, maybe there's a little bit of sort of sexist, toxic masculinity in there. Maybe it wouldn't work today, but. I I, I do like this idea of, you know, Clark just having these little moments to himself where he's like, (laughs) Lois, I know something you don't know and you never will know. And then he like winks at the audience. He
1: he may as well say at the end, you silly woman.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's a bit of that to it, but there's just something really endearing and and, lo- and lovable about it
1: but yeah um again if you're a fan of superman i highly recommend that you check it out um you can definitely buy the box sets on ebay as far as i know golden disks were selling them if you're in ireland or the uk um if you want a, a hard copy of it but they're definitely for sale on ebay
0: they're definitely on ebay they're on amazon um I feel like they'll probably end up on HBO Max eventually. They were on DC Universe, and obviously that that's no longer a a, a streaming service. But yeah. I feel like that these will end up on on HBO Max eventually. Like
1: yeah, and again, um, like I said, I highly recommend them. They're they're very enjoyable. Yeah. Like I said, I haven't watched them all. I've only watched maybe maybe ten of them, I'd say in total. Um, but they're like that. It's something that I'll I'll definitely get tr- through the rest of them. And yeah, they're they're they're, uh, yeah, they're magical. T- they're lovely. To
0: be honest, I've seen every single episode and. I would say my advice to anyone looking to check this series out is like, just look up the best 10 episodes. Um, I think the best episodes are in the black and white seasons season one and two. Um, I think there are some interesting stuff in the later ones, but really season one and two are, are, you know, they're the, the cream of the crop. Hi guys, Rob here. By the time you hear this episode, I will have been dead for many thousands of your earth years. Well, not exactly. But we did record this episode ages ago. It was one of the very first ones we did, and we ended up talking for hours into the night. So in the edit, we decided we'd split the episode in two. Come back next week when we'll be talking all about the Superboy episode, Superboy Lost, as well as the Lois and Clark episode All Shook Up, both of which follow the same general premise of the classic comic story, Menace from the Stars. Don't forget you can like us on Facebook and Instagram at All Star Super Fan and follow us on Twitter at All Star Super I know Alan would love to hear fan theories that explain why no one recognised Clark without his glasses. But for now, keep it super and remember, if you ever need to find us, just look up.